worship here at our Savior's Lutheran Church. Welcome to those of you joining us on our YouTube channel via a podcast or those of you joining us on our radio broadcast this morning. We are delighted that you are with us this morning. I also want to extend a special welcome to Barb Lindbergh who is joining us this morning and who will be sharing some special music with us a little later on in our service. Well, today is Christ the King Sunday, and it marks the end of the church year. Today, we celebrate Christ's reign among us, even as we wait for the fullness of that reign to become manifest in our lives and in the world. I remind you that there is a bulletin available for this service that's available for download on our website at oslme.com. That'll allow you to follow and sing along with us this morning. In preparation for worship, I encourage you to light a candle, to gather some bread and some wine or juice to celebrate Holy Communion a little bit later in our service. I also want to draw your attention to some flowers that are out um, in front of our altar this morning. Those flowers are left from the funeral of Carolyn Barnhart last week. We begin our worship now as we enter into this time of prayer and God's word. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God, in whose image we are made, who claims us and calls us beloved. Amen. Let us join in a prayer of confession. Holy One, we confess that we are not awake for you. We are not faithful in using your gifts. We forget the least of our siblings. We do not see your beautiful image in one another. We are infected by sin that divides your beloved community. Open our hearts to your coming. Open our eyes to see you in our neighbor open our hands to serve your creation. Amen. Beloved, we are God's children, and Jesus, our beloved, opens the door to us. Through Jesus, you are forgiven. By Jesus, you are welcome. In Jesus, you are called to rejoice. Let us live in the promises prepared for us from the foundation of the world. Amen. Our gathering hymn this morning is the trumpets sound, the angels sing. The words for this hymn were unavailable, so they are not listed in the bulletin. But if you have a hymnal, I encourage you to turn to hymn number 531 and to sing along with us this morning. i 
The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And also with you. Let us pray. O God of power and might, your Son shows us the way of service, and in him we inherit the riches of your grace. Give us the wisdom to know what is right, and the strength to serve the world you have made. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. At this time, we join Pastor Heather for a Kids Story Time. Good morning, OSL kids and adults, and welcome to another one of my special story times. I am really enjoying this book, Holy Trollmakers and Unconventional Saints, and I hope you are too. I love meeting these inspiring saints and often troublemakers when it comes to upsetting the status quo and challenging us to think about who God calls us to be in the world. This morning, we get to meet another holy troublemaker, an unconventional saint, and his name is Herb Montgomery. Let's hear his story. Nine-year-old Herb Montgomery and his mother sit in rapt attention watching a television show called Praise the Lord, PTL for short. A popular preacher, Jim Baker, hosts the show. Baker interviews Christian celebrities and preaches a very conservative version of evangelical Christianity. The year is 1985, and this show is frequently on in Herb's house. Herb's parents work behind the scenes on the show. His stepdad is a camera operator, and his mother is a makeup artist. His family knows everyone who is part of the show's production, and Herb plays on the set all the time. Suddenly, preacher Jim looks directly into the camera and says, The Lord is impressing me that there is a young man today who is home from school and watching the show. That young man is going to grow up to be a mighty missionary for God. Herb's mother turns to look at Herb with wide eyes. Son, he's talking about you, she says. Although Herb isn't so sure, his mother needs no more convincing. From that moment on, in his mother's eyes, Herb is going to be a missionary and a preacher. When PTL ended a few years later, in the middle of a scandal that sent Jim Baker to prison, Herb's mother was devastated. She couldn't believe that Jim Baker had been taking people's donations and misusing them, but there was no doubt he had been. Herb was a teenager then, and he wanted to have nothing more to do with Christianity. But shortly after this, while in his grandmother's attic in West Virginia, Herb came across some Bible studies about the New Testament book of Revelation. These studies painted a vivid picture of a violent end of the world that was coming soon, and this led Herb and his mother to join a very conservative church. Within a few years, Herb became the preacher his mother had always hoped he would be. Herb traveled all over the world, preaching at churches, school week of prayer meetings, and other religious gatherings. His message was one of God's love and grace, but was still within the boundaries of what a conservative church audience expected to hear. He wrote a successful book and was in high demand as a visiting preacher and speaker. His preaching schedule was booked months and even years in advance. Yet something didn't feel right to Herb. Then one day in 2012, Herb had an aha moment that would dramatically change the message of his teaching. For some time, Herb had been questioning the Christian teaching about atonement. This teaching is based on the belief that God is distant from people because their sins make God angry, very angry. Atonement says that in order to calm God's anger down, Jesus had to die on the cross. 
the people who accept Jesus' death as a payment for their sins can be reconciled to God or at one with, hear that word atonement, at one with God. This is still a commonly taught belief in many Christian churches. But Herb's aha moment came because he suddenly realized that this commonly taught idea about atonement was actually violent and harmful. How could a loving God require a violent death? And as long as people believed in a God that required a violent death in order to forgive them, then people were going to feel justified in treating each other with violence too. Herb began reading all he could. It turns out that conversations about the atonement had been going on in Christian circles for hundreds of years, all the way back to the early church. It is true that Jesus faced his death willingly because he would not keep silent about who God is, about God's love for all people, about God's grace and mercy, about God's call for God's people to live by that same rule of love and grace and mercy too. Jesus faced his death willingly but that's a far cry from suggesting that God demanded it. Christians are Christians because they believe that Jesus is the divine revelation of God, Herb says. That means that while the words in the Bible can absolutely provide us guidance, they aren't meant to take the place of Jesus. We don't worship the Bible, we worship Jesus. The Bible is not our savior, Jesus is our savior. So then if something in the Bible doesn't seem like something that Jesus would say or do, then it probably needs to be reevaluated. The formal term for this is a Christological hermeneutic. And it just means that you filter everything first through the life and teachings of Jesus. Does a belief or practice measure up to the ideas Jesus preached in the Sermon on the Mount? Does it love our neighbor? Does it see God uh, in the least of these? If the answer is no, then maybe we need to re-examine that belief or practice. Herb began sharing this new understanding about Jesus and God he now teaches that Jesus didn't come here to die. He came to show us how to live. It's not the death of Jesus that saves us, it's Jesus. What if Jesus' death wasn't the only point, Herb now asks. What if Jesus died not because he had to save us from an angry God, but simply because he stood up to the status quo? We know well that Jesus died at the hands of the Romans as a criminal. He stood up to the status quo. Soon Herb realized that his new understanding of the purpose of Jesus' life and teachings affected his thinking on many other things too. He saw how most Christian churches had hurt LGBTQ people by rejecting them. He started to see the ongoing harms from sexism, racism, and the systems of sexism and racism. And he began to teach about sharing our resources with each other around a shared table in the way that early Christian communities did. It was like pulling on a thread of a sweater, Herb remembers. Soon the whole thing was coming apart in my hands. All of these new insights came from Herb listening to Jesus, teaching about love and nonviolence. Learning about Jesus' love and nonviolence immediately felt right in the very core of my being, Herb says. I felt like I was returning home after a very long absence. Some people stopped inviting Herb to come to their churches to speak after he had these insights. Donations to the nonprofit he'd started began to drop off. It was a much harder idea for many people to think that Jesus came to teach us how to live rather than the old idea that Jesus simply came to die for us. 
Many people like to believe that we owe God a cosmic debt for our sin and that to get a ticket to heaven, you just have to say that you believe that Jesus' death paid off that debt. There's a difference between a gospel about Jesus and the gospel Jesus himself taught, Herb says. Jesus' teaching about enemy love and neighbor love is a lot more challenging for people. Following Jesus' example and teachings is actually much harder than simply believing that he died for our sins. Following Jesus' teaching today might mean changing how we treat those who are at the margins of our society. Refugees, immigrants, LGBTQ people, disabled people, indigenous people, and people of color. And that is a lot more work. Jesus was interested in the liberation of all people in the here and now, Herb says. That means we all can participate in working to heal our present world, making it a just, safe, and compassionate home for everyone. Thanks for listening to this story today about Herb, a holy troublemaker and unconventional saint. I hope that you are inspired by his story. And then it makes you think and wonder and contemplate too how Jesus is savior for you, for me, for all, and how he calls us to live here and now in this world God has made. Thanks for listening. We continue as we hear our first reading for today. Our first reading this morning comes from Ephesians chapter 1. In this passage, God is praised for revealing ultimate divine power in raising Jesus from the dead. The resurrected, exalted Christ is Lord of both the church and the entire universe, now and in the age to come. A reading from Ephesians. I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, and for this reason I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him, so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what it is, you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Word of God, word of life. Thanks be to God. We sing together our gospel acclamation. The Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the disciples, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. 
I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at, it, those at his left, you that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not welcome me naked and you did not give me clothing sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace and peace to you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Well, welcome to the end of the lectionary year, the end of the church year, the end of our intensive time in the Gospel of Matthew. We move next week into the Gospel of Mark. After these last weeks of some pretty challenging stories told by Jesus in Matthew's Gospel, perhaps we might all share a big sigh of relief. But don't get your hopes up too much because we start off with a bit of a bang in our Advent texts from Mark next week as well. Matthew's Gospel does certainly have its fair share of challenging stories, stories that really grab our attention, stories with an element of judgment that makes us catch our breath, and unfortunately often prevent us from hearing the rest of the story, even hearing the central, most essential point of the story. It's true today, I think, in the story that Jesus tells through Matthew's interpretive lens. The colorful and scary part overshadows all the rest. So today, I really want for us to just stop and breathe and consider what is so important about the message in Jesus' parable for it to be told with such intensity. And a second question for us to consider. What does it mean for us to hear this story on Christ the King Sunday? This last summation of our time in Matthew's Gospel, what does it mean to hear this story as we ponder, as we worship Christ, our King? This story that sums up Matthew's Gospel is actually one of the most direct parables ascribed to Jesus in any of the Gospels. Well, technically, our Gospel reading the parable is more of an apocalyptic discourse with a parabolic element than it is actually a complete parable, as all of you obviously noticed, right? But regardless, the point Jesus makes really is strong and clear. The hidden face of Christ is present in the faces of those we serve. Just as God was present in the child of a poor peasant family, just as God was present, hanging on a cross, despised, forsaken, crucified. Just as God was and is present in Jesus, God will be present in the faces and places in our world where we might least expect God to be. I'm going to say that again. Just as God is present in Jesus, God will be present in the faces and places where we might least expect God to be. We expect to see God in the grand and magnificent, in a glorious cathedral or a grand sanctuary filled with soaring music and joyful people. We expect to see God in nature, in a spectacular mountaintop view or in a magnificent sunset. We expect to see God in a passionate leader or an awe-inspiring pastor, we expect to see God in these places and people, yes. But there are less obvious places we should expect to see 
God too. In this semi-parable of judgment that Jesus tells, there is a sense of surprise in the response from both the faithful and the unfaithful. When was it that we saw you, the righteous ask? When did we give you food, welcome you, visit you? The same question is asked by those accused. When did we see you and not come to your aid? The answer for both is the same. I was there in the face of the hungry, the outcast, the stranger, the prisoner, the poor, the sick. I was there. It was my face you saw and served. It was my face you turned away. It seems to me Jesus' intent in telling this parable is pretty clear. You want to see God in the world? Then look to the needs of such as these and do something about it. You may indeed see God in a church, in nature, in a passionate person of faith. Yes, of course, I certainly do. But God also promises always to be with those in the world who are suffering, with those on the fringe, with the overlooked, with the all too often forgotten, with us in our need. In Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, we see God born to a lowly peasant family. In Jesus, we see God hanging on the cross as a criminal. And in Jesus, here and now, we see God in the faces of our neighbors. And God is at work in every way we seek to meet their needs, in every way they serve us, in every way we are stretched with compassion and greater humility. In Jesus, we meet God not only in some distant eternity, but here and now, in the faces of those we serve, in the faces of those who serve us. Which brings us to the end of our parable, the scary part that generally catches our attention. And the accused will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. I remember in my childhood trembling with fear of such coming judgment. But you know what? Matthew's judgment motif does not scare me anymore. Because just as eternal life begins here and now in the kingdom of God, so does whatever we might fear about eternal punishment. Here and now, the absence of mercy, the absence of generosity, the absence of community forgiveness, these these pull us away from the fullness of life, from abundant life, from life in God's kingdom. That is not to say that our good works somehow win us salvation. That would be very un-Lutheran. Our actions don't earn us God's love because God's love is freely given. Our good works don't save us, but they can and do transform us. They can and do sharpen our vision. Mercy compassion, generosity, humility, honesty in our brokenness, such kingdom ways of living open our eyes wider to see more clearly the unexpected face of Christ in our midst. Or as the little cartoon by Pastor Dan Erlander sarcastically suggests, why is it whenever I ask Jesus to come into my life, he always brings his friends? Kingdom living teaches us to love the ones that Jesus loves. It's a long list. You're on it, so am I. So is everyone else. Where do we see God in our world? Sometimes our eyes are well attuned and we can see God everywhere. In our care for one another during this pandemic. In our sacrifice of being together in person for the sake especially of the most vulnerable in the wonder of snow falling, in the sun shining, in the faces of those around us. But if ever you feel like you can't see God, then Jesus suggests you look instead for someone who is in need, someone you might even say is God forsaken, and then do not forsake them. God's promise in Christ is that God will be right there too. In the name of Christ. Amen. Our hymn of the day is Yesu, Yesu.
Fill us with your love. Number 708. Together we confess our faith using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Longing for Christ's reign to come among us, we pray for the outpouring of God's power on the church, the world, and all in need. After each petition, we sing together, Lord, listen to your children praying. Sovereign of all, train our ears to hear your cry and the needs of those around us. Bless all social ministries of the church, through which we seek to serve others as we ourselves have been served. God of creation, you cause rain to fall on the just and unjust alike. Direct our use of creation to mitigate the effects of climate change. Work through relief agencies providing aid in Central America to those affected by Hurricane Iota. We pray to the
of healing, bring peace to every place where conflict rages, end the hostility that causes divisions among us, and usher in your reign of unity and reconciliation. Tear down the barriers that keep us separated from each other and release us from systems of oppression and prejudice. Restore our capacity to see your image in those whose dignity we have stripped away. God of compassion, send forth your life-giving spirit that the despairing may find hope, the lonely companionship, the sick healing, and the grieving comfort, especially Lolly Baldus and Deb Johnson, and the families of Scott Kingsett, Shirley Hine, Lloyd Holton, and Carolyn Barnhart. We pray to the Lord. continued generosity and for all the ways you support the work of helping those in need here in our Menominee community and across the world and in the ongoing ministry of our Savior's Lutheran Church. Your support is vital as we continue to follow in the ways and in the work of Jesus. We welcome your offerings here to OSL and to our shared ministry. I invite you to send your offering to our church office or to use our online giving option, which is on our website at oslme.com. 
If you have not yet gathered bread and wine or juice, I invite you to do that now, um, for we will be celebrating communion in just a couple of minutes. But now I invite you to sing with us together our offertory, Let the Vineyards Be Fruitful. Let us pray. God of all goodness, generations have turned to you, gathered around your table, and shared your abundant blessings. Number us among them, that as we gather these gifts from your abundance and give thanks for your rich blessings, we too may feast upon your very self and care for all that you have made through Jesus Christ our Savior and Lord. Amen. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took bread and gave thanks, broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. Again after supper, he took the cup, gave thanks, and gave it for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sin, do this for the remembrance of me. Gathered into one by the Holy Spirit, let us pray as Jesus has taught us. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial, and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. In this meal, we are connected together, though far and wide. Christ unites us in this meal, and fills us up with God's love, God's mercy, God's abounding promises, promises for us and for all. May we be filled this day, and indeed, may we see better the reflection of Christ in our neighbors far and wide. As we celebrate communion this morning, wherever you are, we have the privilege of hearing special music from Barb Lindbergh, she will be singing Song of Thanksgiving. This is the body of Christ given for you. This is the blood of Christ shed for you.
much thanks to you, Barb, and to Michaela for that beautiful duet you've shared with us this morning. The body and blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, in this simple meal, you have set a banquet. Sustain us on the journey. Strengthen us to care for the least of your beloved children and give us glad and generous hearts as we meet you all along the way. Amen. As you enter into the rest of this Sabbath day that God has created for you, receive this blessing. May the God of all creation, in whose image we are made, who claims us and calls us beloved, who strengthens us for service, may the God of all creation give you reason to rejoice and be glad, and the blessing of God, sovereign, Savior, and Spirit, be with you today and always. Amen. I share with you this morning some announcements. The first um, is a notice that we are, are recording or will have recorded a Thanksgiving Eve worship service and that service will be available on our online worship page of our website um, by Wednesday at 6 p.m. So if you would like to join us for worship on Thanksgiving Eve, you can find that worship service pre-recorded on our website Wednesday 6 p.m. OSL families, you are invited to an Advent drive-through blessing next Sunday, that's November 29th, from 10.30 a.m. to noon. I will be joining Pastor Heather and Denise, and we will be handing out a family Advent activity, a Christmas tree blessing, as well as a couple of Christmas treats. We hope that you'll be able to stop on by. I also have an invitation for all of our Sunday school-aged children. This year, for our Christmas program, we are inviting you to come and be recorded reading a verse or two from the Christmas story. Denise and I will be right here at church on Saturday, December 12th from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. to do that recording. If you are interested in taking part in this project, please contact Denise to sign up for a time to come to church and be recorded. I also want to let you know that we have been sending out periodic emails with information about worship, education, and service opportunities. If you are not receiving those email updates but you would like to, please contact our church office and we will add you gladly to our email list. You can either call or email the office with that information. Finally, I remind you that if you have a prayer concern or if you want to contact or be in touch with or simply talk with one of our staff members or a parish nurse or one of our pastors, we are here for you please reach out to us. You can find all of our contact information on our website at oslme.com. And now I invite you to join us in singing our ascending hymn, Lo, He Comes with Clouds Descending, number 435.
Beloved of God, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Thanks be to God.